I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Yo, what up, folks? Matt Humans off for today and Monday. A little bit of a reprieve before we get into football season. Less than a week away, of course, from the Hall of Fame game. But good show on tap nonetheless. Wes Reynolds is going to join us coming up in 15 minutes. Get his thoughts on his contributions to the College Football Betting Guide, which you should totally check out because it's out right now. And is a tool that you can use. I would say throughout the college football season, but definitely in the month leading up to what is going to be week zero starting August 27th. That's a Saturday. I know that for a fact. Also, one of our pollsters on the edge top 40 as we unveil the next team, well, he's going to join us. Paul Stone will be with us. Not only get his thoughts on I, I'm not going to tell you who the other team is. Haha, almost ruined it. No, you'll find out who the Edge Top 40 team being unveiled today is coming up in 30 minutes. Uh, but we'll get his thoughts on them and, of course, Texas football and whether or not it's back because the Longhorns do have an intriguing team with a lot of returning production. Some of that, though, from a really bad defensive team. But we begin as we've been doing for the last week and a half or so with the National Football League. Not a lot of big things coming out of the NFL, but we did get an update first and foremost, and this is where I wanted to begin today, uh, with the injury to one Ryan Jensen, the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, it sounds like it's going to be pretty serious here for Jensen, who the other day suffered a knee injury, was carted off the field during training camp practice. Jensen is going to, quote, miss significant time with the knee injury that he suffered yesterday in practice from Todd Bowles. Quote, we don't know the severity of it per se, but I do know he'll miss some significant time up to a couple of months, Bulls said. Whether he'll be back later in the season, November, December, depends on what they find, but he won't be available anytime soon. 
So obviously this matters because now the interior of the offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is being completely rebuilt essentially at this point. We know that Ali Barnpet retired in the offseason, lost your other starting guard to the Cincinnati Bengals in free agency, and now your starting center as part of what was one of the best offensive lines in the NFL over the last few years with Tom Brady behind them, uh, is now having some pretty big questions about what the interior is going to look like over the course of the season. So there are some pretty good options here, although some small sample sizes in there. Uh, Robert Hainsey, for example, who played for them for a couple of snaps last year, graded out relatively well as a pass blocker, but again, we're talking about 31 offensive snaps for them. Uh, the other interior lineman on this roster that registered snaps a season ago Aaron Stinney did not perform very well, and that was over the course of a larger sample size, 102. Uh, and so we'll see how the interior of this offensive line pans out. And uh, you do have – it's not all lost, right, Shaq Mason on this roster, so we'll see if this is going to pan out for Tampa Bay. But I will say that the interior you now circle as, dare we say, a weakness for Tampa Bay and the Buccaneers, and obviously a very, very big weakness for the Buccaneers given that Tom Brady, we know what one of his biggest, uh, we'll call kryptonites, has been, and that has been pressure up the middle with the inability and the in lack of athleticism to get away from that pressure. So pretty fascinating, too, because if you look at some of their divisional opponents, namely the New Orleans Saints, who are the second-best team in that division by the betting market standards, well, they got a pretty good front seven, and they're going to be able to pressure Tom Brady up the middle, as are a lot of teams, and it's going to be one of the things they go after. And we'll see if this is going to weigh them down in any way, shape, or form. And I will say, too, and I think I mentioned this on this show or when I was on a numbers game earlier yesterday or today, which is that I believe that this Saints team, from a number standpoint, does have value in winning this division. I don't believe the gap between them and Tampa Bay is that wide. And now, of course, that gap closes up just that little bit more just given the fact that Jensen's going to be out for a very, very significant amount of time all the way to November, December, or even farther into the year as we get that update today. So a little bit of bad news there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I guess bad news for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we get reports, of course, uh, as camp is now underway, that one Baker Mayfield, who the Carolina Panthers shipped off assets for, and Sam Darnold are splitting reps, uh, first-team reps at practice for the Carolina Panthers. I guess you can kind of get it to a certain extent when you first start, just given the fact that Sam Darnold has been there already. But at the same time, you would assume that it's going to be Baker Mayfield, who is going to be the guy under center once the season begins. So you kind of start your guy behind the eight ball a little bit here if you're allowing him to split reps with Sam Darnold. I think that's probably something that you should just turn the, uh, the whole entire thing over to Baker Mayfield at this point and allow him to get acclimated with the offense as a whole. you got a lot of time in, the tra in training camp, so maybe you get to start out slow, but I would not agree with that in any way, shape, or form, especially with the way that this season starts out for the Carolina Panthers. You look at their schedule, and that is a challenging slate of games from week one all the way through to their first uh, matchup with the Atlanta Falcons in week eight. That's brutal. We're talking about like the easiest slot on this schedule through the first seven weeks is a road game against the Giants, which that is not a, um, we'll call a circle win for the Carolina Panthers in any way, shape, or form. And if you remember the Carolina Panthers, very overvalued favorite in a regular season game against the Giants last year did not go well for them. So uh, this is a team that is staring a really poor start, I would say, to the season in the face. And if that's going to be the case, I think you'd prepare Baker Mayfield as much as possible. But that is what's coming out of 
Carolina up to this point right now. Also, we get an update. Now, this is more from a betting standpoint. doesn't really mean anything. Uh, but the, the Arizona Cardinals have decided to remove the clause from Kyler Murray's contract, right? The study clause in which he had to study four hours a week for an opponent. Um, and there was a lot made of this yesterday, both social media-wise and actually at Cardinals camp. Uh, Kyler Murray actually called an impromptu press conference out of nowhere to kind of gripe about this whole entire thing and came to the defense of himself and had something to say to the big bad media. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career um, and not be a student of the game and not, um, not, not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost, it's disrespectful and it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke, you know. Um, it's, to me, I'm flattered, you know, I'm, I'm honestly flattered that y'all think that at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not, um, you know, not take it serious. It's, 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 it's disrespectful, I feel like, to my peers, to all, the, to all the, the great athletes and great players that are in this league. Um, this game's too hard. Uh, to, to play the position that I play in this league, um, it's, it's, it's too hard. Yeah, Murray and the Cardinals are a pretty fascinating team as we come into this year. It's not one team that I personally believe in quite a bit, and depending on where you shop for your divisional odds, there's not a lot of uh, markets out there that believe in them, at least in terms of winning this division, the third choice behind the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. We know that one, uh, of course, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be available for the first six weeks of the season. What that means for this team, who did get Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown in the offseason, but uh, in terms of a pass catcher, did not grade out entirely too well uh, from a PFF standpoint last year, so we'll see if that's really impactful for Arizona and a team that defensively I thought squeezed a lot out of that thing uh, when I'm talking about their defensive unit last year and still going to be one of the we'll call below average run defenses in the National Football League just like they were a season ago this is not one of my win total bets that I made this year uh, but I will say if you're asking me betting over or under eight and a half if I was forced to make a choice it would be under on Arizona just given everything we know about their team and again Given what we know about their schedule, which is littered with coin flip spots across the board, uh, we, uh, you look at this thing, and this is going to be a litany of games for the Arizona Cardinals that are within three and a half points either way for them as they navigate their way through a schedule that has a lot of spots against teams that are either power-rated similarly to them or better than them. And I think that's going to be a tough thing for them to navigate through 2022. So with that, let's transition over to baseball. wanted to tie in a little bit of yesterday into what we're going to see today because we had a, a pretty fascinating result yesterday. Uh, we talked actually about it with humans here on the edge, and that was the fact that the Rangers were massive underdogs last night to Shohei Otani and the Anaheim Angels. Some spots had as high as minus 245 on Otani in the Halos yesterday. And Otani comes out, performs very well. Six innings pitched, eight hits, only two word runs, one of them courtesy of a solo shot, a struck out 11. Again, another consecutive game in terms of double-digit strikeouts for Shohei Otani and has a highlight appearance of the night, essentially, when we're talking about first three batters reached on three consecutive singles, and Otani proceeds to strike out the next three batters to get out of the first inning jam that he created for himself. It was a pretty fascinating start for Shohei Otani, but... Gets no run support yet again. Angels averaging just 3.9 runs per game in Otani's last eight starts. They're 6-2 and two in those starts, by the way. It's pretty fascinating. And they lose 2-0 as a minus-240 favorite yesterday to the Texas Rangers. This is the interesting part. As you see the odds for today, Rangers are here at the south point, at least. You always want to shop around, have multiple outlets in terms of your books, because there's other spots where uh, the Rangers are still a small underdog. But minus-109 here at the south point for the Rangers on the road with Martin Perez. 
after the game yesterday, when outright asked about what he feels about his future, does he want to be on the Angels after the trade deadline? And this is a quote from Otani, but from his translator, obviously. Uh, Regardless of where I'm playing, I'm going to give it my all and try to win that ball game in front of me. I'm with the Angels right now, and I'm very thankful for what they've done. Love my team and my teammates. Right now I'm an Angel, and that's all I can focus on. So not exactly a, I would love to be with the Angels once the trade deadline passes. But you can kind of understand frustration to a certain extent. It does seem that Otani is sliding as well when it comes to American League MVP. Aaron Judge again yesterday goes yard. That's a walk-off solo shot to give the Yankees the win over the Kansas City Royals in a game in which they had one hit through eight innings. So it's evolving, and it's uh, pretty fascinating now as we are rapidly approaching a trade deadline. Doesn't seem like Otani will be gone this year. But I wouldn't be surprised as we get more and more reports that more and more teams are calling about Otani when it comes to acquiring him at this trade deadline. So with that, a quick look at tonight, because the Angels bounce back. Again, as we mentioned, small home underdogs here at the South Point, at least, to Martin Perez and the Texas Rangers. Something to keep note here, too. Yesterday, Corey Seager did get pulled pretty early, uh, relatively early. Uh, but he's got a bruise. I think it's a lower leg bruise, whatever it is. So keep an eye on lineups here today for the Rangers and see if whether or not he's going to be available. You see the price continues to kind of climb here. I think while we're on the air, Deco to minus 111 while we're talking. So uh, it does seem like there is more and more support, at least here at the South Point, for the Rangers. So we'll see if Seager's going to be available tonight. Uh, but I would say this, and we'll get more on this as we get to the end of the show and some best bets. Patrick Sandoval is coming off of, and this month alone has not been very good for him. But if you really sift through the numbers for Sandoval, who's getting the start for the Angels, still rock solid if you're looking at some of his numbers underlying, especially when you look at his fielding independent, a 304, has had some unlucky outings. The walks have been a little bit of an issue for him. But coming back home, if he starts to regress to the mean here in terms of his fielding independent numbers and some of the other numbers that we've seen for Sandoval, might not be the worst spot for him. But I think there is a different angle to look at here because Perez has been absolutely fantastic for the Texas Rangers. And with this Angels lineup that is, shall we call it, below average to be very kind, maybe not one that you want to go to bat with here tonight as a small home underdog. But there's an interesting way, I think, to back the Angels in a roundabout way later this evening, and we'll discuss that coming up at the end of the show when we get to some of the best bets. On the other side, Wes Reynolds is going to join us next to get his thoughts on not only what was a great college football guide, but everything he wrote in the guide and what he has in terms of some season win totals and futures in college football. The season is rapidly approaching, so don't go anywhere. we got some info for you when we come back. everybody this is Stephen a smith when i'm not at my day job first tape you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen a smith show podcast tune in every monday wednesday and friday at the very least as i bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports pop culture business and politics you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. College football guides out, folks. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations for the win totals, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All-Access today. Get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back here on the edge, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, riding solo today. Matt Eubens out. Um, this man, Wes Reynolds, a man of many talents, a handicapper of many sports. And let's go through the list here, Wes. Um, American, ACC, and Big Ten East. That's all you wrote for the college football betting guide? I know, man. I'm slacking a little bit. I know. I got I to gotta step my game up for the pro football betting guide. Yeah, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm assuming that you're going to write about 30 of the 32 teams in the National Football League. <laughs> uh, so let's dive in. I know you're a Big Ten guy, uh, but you also wrote the ACC, and I am pretty fascinated by the ACC. Just so want to get your thoughts on a couple of things when it comes uh, to the Atlantic Coast Conference. First off, Clemson, $1.40 favorite, the odds-on favorite, to win the conference here. And I have to say, Wes, I get how talented this team is, but when you look at them as a whole and 
you realize that they lose essentially their linebacking core from last year. What do they call them? The Bass Brothers or whatever it was. It's a pretty big loss on that end. Brent Venables is gone. Still have questions about DJ Uyangalale and whether or not he's going to be a serviceable quarterback for this team. Clemson is a very good team. But when you look at the rest of the conference and how close it is becoming, like coming to Clemson, I kind of balk at the thought of laying a dollar forty on Clemson to win this conference. Do you think I'm wrong there? No, I don't, JBT. I'm right there with you because I think that they're the justifiable favorite because mm-hmm. they have the most talent of any team in the conference. But the recruiting has slipped a little bit. Now, slip being a relative term, they're no longer top five. Now they're a top 10 national class. So most schools would obviously, you know, run over everybody to get to a top 10 class. But if you look at Clemson, they did lose the linebackers, as you mentioned, uh, Skalski and Balin Specter. The front four is going to be really good. And I know Dabo is very bullish and very high on these guys, says this might be the best defensive line he's ever had. And that's pretty high praise considering the D-line down there in Death Valley has been good for about 30-plus years. But I think you're absolutely right. I still think that this team could be gettable depending on how DJU really develops here because all of a sudden you got a five-star guy right behind him in Cade Klubnik out of Boston Westlake High School down in Texas. And is there a possibility that we get a Trevor Lawrence rather replacing Kelly Bryant situation here with uh, Klubnik replacing DJ? I'm not sure we're going to reach that this year, but I just think that the gap is kind of closed a little bit. Now, Clemson still, even though they were down last year and they ranked in the hundreds in terms of total offense nationally, they still went 10-3. and three. Yep. They have new coordinators also on both sides of the ball. Brandon Streeter, former Tiger quarterback in the late 90s, he takes over. And then Wes Goodwin takes over on defense. So I'm interested to see how much control Dabo has because he tended to delegate a little bit to guys like Venables and also the guys like Tony Elliott, who is the offensive coordinator. I think he might have more say in terms of the play calling this year. Yep. So if you look at the odds for those who are watching, these are courtesy of BetMGM. Clemson, the dollar forty favorite to win the conference. Miami comes in at six to one. NC State at eight to one. Then Pitt at nine to one. Then you get to the double digits, and you can see that gap, that perceived gap, uh, by the betting market when it comes to the top teams in the ACC. Of the trio that is sitting there at the plus prices and the single digits, Wes, uh, which would you rather have to win this conference, Miami, NC State, or Pitt? Uh, I probably would lean a little bit with Miami, even though I think NC State has the most coming back. But the one worry you have with the Wolfpack is how are they now going to deal with expectations? Dave Doran's done a really nice job down there in Raleigh, and they've been that nine-win team pretty consistently. Now can they get into the double-digit wins? They certainly have the quarterback, I think, to do it, Devin Leary. He's only thrown seven interceptions over the last two years, so he's a guy who really takes care of the football. But are they going to fall prey to what North Carolina did last year? Remember how hyped they were last summer, and what did they do in week one? They lay an egg at Virginia Tech, and you know they were never really the same, ended up actually below five. I don't think NC State is going to take that kind of drop that the Tar Heels did, but I would say Miami a little bit. I do like the coordinators that they brought in. Josh Gaddis was the Rose Award winner up there at Michigan. Now, they ran the football a lot more up there in Ann Arbor. I think they're going to throw it a lot more of Tyler Van Dyke, who most observers believe has a first-round grade at quarterback, and if they would have went to him a little earlier this year, Manny Diaz might still have a job down there in Coral Gables, but I like what they bring in. I like they bring in Kevin Steele. He's a veteran defensive coordinator, been in a lot of SEC schools. Miami has some talent, and they have some guys coming in from the portal and also some guys like Al Blades coming back from injury. Kevin Steele just has to clean that up a little bit because one of the things when you watch Miami last year defensively, a lot of it was discipline. 
They just took bad angles. They missed tackles. They were playing and starting five true freshmen last year. So now the old cliche, I know freshmen become sophomores, but I would say Miami, I think that coastal division is a little bit more wide open than the Atlantic where it's clearly one, two of Clemson and NC state. So when we look at this overall, I think the thing that sticks out when you look at the odds uh, to win the ACC championship uh, Pitt, despite the loss at both quarterback and receiver, right? Jordan Addison off to USC, Kenny Pickett off to throw interceptions during training camp in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> Wake forest is 18 to one, despite bringing back their quarterback, Sam Hartman, a vast majority of their offense from last year, Wes, I understand the weaknesses with this defense but why the lack of respect for Wake Forest was 18 to 1 as the ACC runner-up from a year ago yeah and look Dave Clawson is a really good coach he gets a lot out of a little because when you're Wake Forest you just can't go you know out recruit your opposition and you can't really live in the transfer portal you got to focus a lot on development of players and I think Dave Clawson has done a good job the one knock on Wake Forest, though, last year, they only beat four teams with a winning record. So they kind of beat the teams, really, that they were supposed to beat and, you know, fell short against North Carolina on the road in that shootout, 58-55. to 55. Did get by NC State, but lost at Clemson. But nevertheless, they're coming off the best year in the history of the program. They do return nine starters on offense. Hartman is a very good quarterback. Defensively, Brad Lambert, who comes in from Purdue as the defensive coordinator, he's going to have to reshape a defense that did allow 42 or more five times last year. They lived off turnovers, basically, and that's how they stayed in games, basically outscoring teams with that offense. So it is probably at least a little bit of lack of respect on the surface, but I think the schedule is also a little bit tougher this year. You still got to face Clemson, obviously, in that division. You got to go to Florida State, who a lot of people think are going to be improved. You got to go to Louisville, who's got a four-year starter at quarterback in Malik Cunningham. And then you got to go to NC State in back-to-back weeks, October 29th and November 5th. So schedule a lot tougher for the Demon Deacons this year. All right, among all the things that are offered in the college football betting guide, outside of the team-by-team previews and whatnot, great articles in terms of like crafting power ratings from Adam Burke or stability ratings from Steve Mackin, also win total selections from a lot of the analysts in there. Make sure you check that out, by the way, vcin.com slash subscribe. Uh, one giant commercial for you, but it's an it's a informative commercial. Wes, one of the win totals that you have in terms of uh, the best bets for win totals in this guide is in the ACC with one of the lower-tier teams, Georgia Tech. Walk us through it. Yeah, I think this is going to be the last year for Jeff Collins down there. I know the total, it, you, if you can get three and a half, obviously lay the extra juice, but even at three, the worst I think you're going to get is a push. This team... Look, uh, they tried. They've been trying to build a pro-style offense. Jeff Collins, obviously, trying to modernize. Uh, but Paul Johnson was pretty successful at the triple option down there. And you just look at this team. All of the good players that they have on defense either got hurt or went in the transfer portal. You also lose your running back, uh, Jameer Gibbs, who's going to be the starting running back for Alabama. So not a lot really to help Jeff Sims out. I think they're on offense. I believe they only have like three starters back on that side of the ball. And then you look on defense, two starters back on that side of the ball. And I just look at the schedule, John. It seems like the AD almost, whoever the AD down there is at Georgia Tech, is almost like this schedule is designed to get Jeff Collins fired because you open with Clemson, then you get Western Carolina. Okay, that's a win against an FCS team. Then you got Ole Miss coming in. Then you got to go to what we believe is going to be an improved UCF team in the second year under Gus Malzahn. Then you got to go to Pittsburgh. You have road games at Florida State, Virginia Tech, 
North Carolina, and Georgia. That's four of the last five weeks of the season. They just they just have never got it going down there, and uh, Jeff Collins is probably going to have his last year down in Atlanta. All right, Wes, the last 90 seconds. It's officially official. We got reports the other day that Bubba Watson was going to be on his way to live tour and has been officially announced about an hour ago. Watson's on his way out. Do you weep that he is gone? I do not. If you look, John, when you see golfers go into this live golf thing, how many golfers can you say the best golf of their career is ahead of them? <laughs> None. I, I think Bubba Watson fits in the category of, look, his best days are probably behind him. So you're getting a lot of older players. Look, you're getting Charles Howell III, and you're getting Henrik Stenson, and you're getting Bubba Watson. I think the PGA Tour is going to be okay. I mean, you're not losing your Scotty Schefflers and your Justin Thomases and your Rory McIlroys and your Will Zalatorises. The base of the tour is still there. And the fact that, uh, look, uh, I found it funny that these guys were both kind of playing each other with Charles Barkley in that flirtation this week. Liv got the publicity they wanted out of flirting with Sir Charles. And Sir Charles probably got the publicity that he wanted. Because I felt like that would have been the bigger acquisition because that might have at least helped them get a legitimate yep. TV deal. So uh, I, I'm not as worried about it, but I think it is going to be a very interesting offseason to see who they can acquire next. Never would have forgiven him for breaking up the greatest show on television inside no, the NBA. Wes, good to talk to you, bud. Thank you. You bet. Have An have awesome job on the guide as usual, Wes. A man of many skills, including with the pen. Although it's, I guess it's not with the pen anymore. It's with the keyboard. We'll come back. We unveil the latest team in the edge of top 40 with Paul Stone. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Edge is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I needed to make a change. I knew I needed to make a change, but wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline's a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whatever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor at the right time, and a right hand at your back. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. The ZYN.com warning product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I felt like I needed to make a change. We need to get super smart people on the show. It's why we had Wes Reynolds. It's why now we bring in Paul Stone, college football handicapper, who's nice enough to give us some time today, even though his best friend, Matt Humans is on vacation. Paul, good to talk to you today. Uh, you are also in luck. We are unveiling the next team in our Edge Top 40 poll, which you voted on. And uh, you'll be happy to know that today, we don't have a drum roll, but the team that checks in, our latest team in the Edge Top 40, the Iowa Hawkeyes, check in in the latest team in our edge top 40 we're well inside the top 30 at this point right now so we'll get to the big 12 in texas and pick your brain on that uh, but where did you have iowa in your rankings as they come in as number 25 in our edge top 40 yeah great to be on with you first of all jvt and uh i'm not looking at my poll right now i probably should have uh reviewed mm -hmm. it before i came on but i had them right around number 25 because i use my power rankings and i know that's where they are but uh you know, this is an Iowa team under Kirk Ferentz. They win, you know, the, kind of the old-fashioned way. They they run the football um, behind a physical offensive line. They play sound defense, and they win the turnover battle. And you look at the 
turnover battle the last seven years, Iowa, on average, plus nine in the turnover category over the last seven seasons. Their worst performance in the turnover category during that span the last seven years, plus six. So they protect the football. They do have to, you know, ideally they would be a little bit better quarterback. Last year, Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla, they split duties at quarterback. Uh, had a, you know, just a fair 12 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, they have to replace three offensive linemen. Uh, they probably have guys waiting in the wings, but those were some good football players on that line. Uh, one of those being Remington, Remington uh, Trophy winner and first-round draft pick uh, center Tyler Linderbaum. So a lot of talent lost there, and they lose a running back. Uh, a big-time guy, Tyler Goodson, who rushed for over 1,150 yards last year, accounted for almost 1,400 total yards offense. You look at that defense, the last six seasons, Iowa has given up an average of less than 20 points per game in each of the last six seasons. So they kind of win the old-fashioned way, kind of like the old uh, division in the NFL called the black and blue division. I think it was the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions and so forth. But they play physical, hard-nosed, old-fashioned football uh, to the Iowa Hawkeyes. So I wanted to ask you, kind of, and this is more of a general question, Paul, because you mentioned the turnover differential here with Iowa, and it's been ridiculous. I think the last three years, by my math, I think they're plus 30 the last three seasons in terms of turnover differential. Last year was nuts. I think they were plus 12. So as Iowa, do you just chalk them up as an exception to the rule? Because generally, right, you're looking at like turnover differential, those type of areas to gauge whether or not a team is due for a bounce back here because turnovers tend to be pretty fickle, but it hasn't been the case for this program. Yeah, I think with the exception of the really good teams, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson's teams like that, they're going to win the turnover battle every year. And then the really bad teams, uh, they're not going to protect the football as well, and they're going to lose the turnover battle every year. And then you have teams like Iowa. If you just look at the uh, what the numbers tell you, and while you're correct, I think sometimes you do figure for a uh, regression to the mean if a team has been real positive or real negative in the turnover department. Uh, this is just something that can't be ignored, you know, and it certainly is a, a byproduct of their style of football. They don't uh, do a whole lot of razzle-dazzle. They're not throwing the ball all over the field, so they do play a conservative brand of football, but it's by design. You know, again, they're going to they're gonna win uh, running the football, protecting the football, and playing great defense. Paul Stone with us at Paul Stone Sports uh, up on Twitter. All right, so for those who are watching, too, by the way, Iowa coming in, win total eight, seven and a half, shaded to the under at minus 115. Conference win total, these numbers courtesy of DraftKings, a five and a half, really shaded to the under at a buck 95, four to one to win the West in the Big Ten, and 20 to one to win the Big Ten title game. So, Paul, since we got you here, last couple of minutes with you, uh, we'll go to your speciality, and of course, uh, college football in general is your speciality, but Texas, but this is an intriguing team this year. With everything coming back, with viewers transfer in at quarterback. Seems that Steve Sarkeesian's got something cooking from a talent perspective, but I wanted to focus on them defensively first. How do you, as somebody who does this really well, gauge returning production on a bad unit? Like Texas last year, statistically, was not a good defensive team, but they do have returning personnel from that squad. Do you just assume that there's going to be improvement? You know, I do think there's going to be a little bit of improvement, but they're not going to go from the top of defense that they had last year, which was kind of a a bottom 25 or bottom 30 in all of college football defense and many key statistical defensive categories. I think they'll show some improvement. It is the second year of the new uh, defensive coordinator, and they do have some talent on that side of the ball, but they're not going to be a championship-caliber 
defense in uh, 2022. Obviously, they have a lot of people uh, back on offense. They have a lot of people from the transfer portal. I think they're going to have a top-five offense, even with the challenges on the offensive line. So Texas this year, I think, helps on the way with the recruiting classes that he's assembled so far in the 2023 recruiting class. But Texas is going to have to outscore people in 2022, and I think for the most part they'll be able to do that throughout much of their schedule. So, well, then let's focus on that offense. And Quinn Ewers transfers in. Bijan Robinson, a running back. Ewers' mullet is fantastic, by the way. Uh, so, what does this offense look like now? And this team as a whole, at some spots, we're talking about rated as the second best team in the conference behind Oklahoma. Do you think that's an apt spot? Should they be higher? Should they be lower? Well, you know, this is an interesting uh, conference. I don't think, I think for the second straight year, after winning six consecutive titles from 2015 through 2020, Oklahoma didn't win the Big 12 last year. Baylor did. And I think for the second straight year, I think Oklahoma's going to fail to win the Big 12 title in the uh, first year under Brent Venables. So it comes down to Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Uh, those three teams have... They have a lot of possibilities, but they also have a lot of question marks. So they're all intriguing. Kansas State, they're not going to win the Big 12 this year, but I think they're going to have a say in who does. And then certainly Oklahoma uh, could win the uh, title as the favorite. So those five teams of the 10 in the conference, I think, all have a shot. I like Texas at plus 300. You know, it's not, uh, it's not a wise thing to do, typically, to pick Texas this time of the year uh, to do well. Uh, they have... Uh, underachieved basically every year since they played Alabama in 2009 for the national title. But I think Texas has just got too much on offense. So forced to make a pick, I would pick Texas at plus 300 to win the Big 12. So when I look at the Big 12, Paul, I, I kind of see a, team, a conference that's got a lot of parity coming into this year. I think a lot of the teams kind of moved collectively toward the middle when you come into this year. And I thought there were some really intriguing teams in the middle of this conference. Like, I'm really fascinated by what Sonny Dykes is going to do for TCU and a bunch of their returning personnel. Kansas State, I think the way they got 14, 15 starters coming back. Adrian Martinez transfers in at quarterback as well. Like, those two teams, Kansas State and TCU, am I along the right path here when I think that those are going to be two teams that I'm going to look to back in conference play from an against the spread standpoint? You, you know, I, I'm really I'm high on Kansas State. Maybe not so much TCU. Their defense yeah. was really bad last year, even worse than Texas's, and they lost a couple of their key players up front through the transfer portal. So there's nothing to think they'll be much better this year. Uh, Dykes is more known for offense and defense, but it will be interesting. They certainly have some talent there, but I'm really intrigued uh, by Kansas State. And I'm not, you know, I'm not totally counting out West Virginia. You know, they've uh, got the JT Daniels coming over to play for his former uh, offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, who he started his collegiate career with out at Southern Cal. Uh, they could make some noise. So I think there's going to be, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of balance in this conference. Not really a great team, uh, but not really uh, any real bad teams. And I think Kansas has even improved. I think they might uh, make some strides in year two under Lance Leopold. Paul Stone, again, Paul Stone Sports, College Sports, and, uh, of course, we have him on for golf as well, host of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Paul, thank you very much for the time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for your help on the poll too, man. Good deal. Thanks for having me, JBT. You guys have a great weekend. Yeah, you got it. Paul Stone.
Yeah, and for those who don't know, the um, the way that we did our poll, as Matt explained earlier in the process here, poll stones are tiebreaker. So uh, if we had a log jam in terms of votes for a certain team, wherever Paul had them, at least in terms of if he had them higher or lower, then that was a tiebreaker, and that's what we went with. So Paul Stone, that Big 12, I am really excited. And by the way, Adam Burke wrote up the Big 12 Conference in our VEASAN College Football Betting Guide, so make sure you check that out. Uh, but there is a lot of, I think we call it noise, when you talk about these top teams, when we're talking about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and even Baylor, who I think are legitimate title contenders, as Paul kind of spoke to there and said that Texas winning this thing, if you can get them a three to one, a viable option, if you can have that or if you can find it in your market at that price. And I would agree with the thought that I just don't really know if I want a piece of Oklahoma, especially when we're talking about the odds which are presented for the Oklahoma Sooners. I like Dylan Gabriel. I like everything they're bringing there. Offense coordinator who had Dylan Gabriel under him back when a few years ago, his first year at UCF. But we're talking about a price perspective. I think there's some value to be had in the middle of that conference. All right, we'll take our break. We come back, wrap up the edge, a little baseball, and the Hall of Fame game, which is less than a week away. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. This is the Edge on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. All right, last couple of minutes here on The Edge. We've got a lot to get to in the next few. Uh, first off, want to say that, yes, we are less than a week away from the National Football League's Hall of Fame game, uh, recently put up at a couple of spots. It's up for a while now and some others. Uh, but the Raiders here at the South Point and in other spots because they're moving in that direction, a two-point favorite in their contest with the Jacksonville Jaguars next Thursday, total of 33. How about that? Next Thursday we get NFL football, and we have NFL football from now until, well, the end of time really. But, yes, two-point favorite with a total of 33. So, with that, I was more about like this game so much. I actually kind of have the Jags circled as a potential play here. We'll see what some of the information comes out in terms of rotations for them. Because I would say this, and <clears throat> speaking to the grand scheme of things when it comes to handicapping preseason football, first and foremost, right, is information about what these rotations are going to look like, playing time, all of these things. I think we know this by this point right now. But the other is, is, and humans and I will discuss more next week as the preseason gets started, which is evaluating quarterback depth charts. And, and obviously, the deeper your depth chart goes, the more likely you're going to have a chance to win and cover some of these contests. And you'll see that these teams are the higher power-rated teams in the preseason that have the deeper quarterback depth chart. And the reason why I look at Jacksonville is because their quarterback depth chart's not terrible. But for me, I want to know what the playing time is, not of Trevor Lawrence, but C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard last year was actually among the best preseason quarterbacks in the NFL. NFL a season ago, and uh, there is some intriguing depth for Jacksonville from a preseason standpoint. Again, want to be specific about that. When you come into this with not only Be- uh, C.J. Beathard, but Jake Luton and Kyle Slaughter, uh, Slaughter. so what I'm looking at here is I want to know if Beathard, who's their primary backup, probably not going to get a lot of run here for Jacksonville in a Hall of Fame game, but Jacksonville might be a team worth looking at because, again, Beathard was tremendous for them in the preseason last year and is going to be very much uh, worth uh, probably following around in the preseason because you do like a little bit of what the Jags bring to the table from a quarterback depth standpoint. Raiders, eh, you know what? Maybe not so much. Uh, yes, you have Nick Mullins after Derek Carr, but then Jarrett Stidham and Chase Garbers don't exactly um, get the people going 
when it comes to preseason depth at quarterback. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. And again, information key. So we'll see if we get anything out of either of these coaches. I will say this, you know, being on the ground out here in Las Vegas, I am curious to see what information you're going to get out of the Raiders when it comes to these preseason games. Uh, Josh McDaniels, I don't know if you guys saw this headline, but he has um, passed the edict that players should not discuss X's and O's with the media. So I don't know how much you're going to get from them in terms of rotations for preseason. Seems kind of hush-hush uh, when it comes to McDaniels and the Raiders from that. So we'll see if we get anything from them as the preseason goes along, but it might be tough to get some information out of Las Vegas in terms of what we're going to see from them from a preseason standpoint. So with that, let's wrap up with baseball. A lot of series get started this weekend in Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll get back to Rangers and Angels momentarily because, of course, we have a best bet there. But let's start with a series that I've been pretty interested in, and that would be the Astros and the Mariners. So Astros, again, yesterday, remember, after the All-Star break, they swept a series from Seattle. Come back yesterday, and, of course, Alex Bregman, a big part of it. Astros end up getting a win over Seattle. Now you come back, and what I mentioned yesterday I thought was pretty apt, right, was that I didn't think the market was giving the Astros enough credit for how good they really were. It's specifically the gap between them and like a Seattle Mariners type team. Seattle Mariners are a good team. Astros are a great team. Arguably the best team in the American League and yet we're talking about like opening a $1.45 market it, driving down that price to $1.35, $1.30 in some spots yesterday at home. Thought that was somewhat cheap on Houston. So today here you kind of get a little bit of the overcorrection and yes, it's Justin Verlander on the hill for the Astros and Verlander's been great. 186 ERA through 116 and a third. Strikeouts a little down this year but still phenomenal across the board and the home runs have been absolutely great. The thing here for a guy like Verlander, not so much, they actually, maybe I think a little overvalued in this sense, given the fact that if you look at his other numbers, expected ERA 302, fielding independent 310. So when you get that difference between the ERA and the fielding independent, there is some room for a little bit of a downturn in play here for Verlander. And again, that's not to say that 302 in terms of an expected ERA or 310 is awful for a fielding independent. That's extremely good for Verlander, but I think it does speak to maybe the overvaluing of a guy like Verlander, and you see the market reacting and such, right? I mean, today opens up $1.75 in favor of him. We're down to $1.65. The other part of this equation is Robbie Ray, and Robbie Ray, and this is why I, I had this circled potentially as a play in terms of Seattle and Robbie Ray. But came off of it, one, because it missed out on the market move. But the other two was, if you look at Robbie Ray on the surface, the numbers are pretty lock and step. Like, they're solid. 390 ERA, 350 expected ERA, fielding independent of 410. You'd like that to be better, but for the most part, you know, it's a solid contributor. The problem is, fielding independent for Robbie Ray on the road is over five. And that's ultimately what turned me off. I think if you're talking about back in Seattle, where clearly this would be a very tight money line uh, split between the two, and arguably Houston might be a small favorite or close to a pick in this matchup. Might be worth looking at Robbie Ray and the Seattle Mariners, but the road splits for Ray turned me off, but not surprised by the market move here in favor of Seattle, just given the fact that I think Verlander due for, again, like a little bit of a downturn of play, but just maybe overvalued from a price standpoint, given what we see from his fielding independent and his ERA. Verlander's freaking awesome. Do not get that twisted in any way, shape, or form, uh, but you can understand why the market moved in the direction that it did. Also want to discuss New York and Kansas City here because I think the Yankees are really, really interesting given the fact that their offense has really struggled as of late. has been pretty inconsistent. We see yesterday one hit going into the ninth inning before Aaron Judge bails him out with a walk-off solo shot to give him a win. Garrett Cole's on the hill here today against Kansas City. Not stopping the market. It's Bubich on the other side. It's $3.40 favorite at the open with a total of 8.5. We are up to minus 380 now in favor of Cole. And again, I mean, look, it's the Yankees. They're going to get the support. And if you look at the 
other side, uh, KB, Chris Bubich, has not really been that great for the Kansas City Royals. 553 ERA, 508 fielding independent. His walks have been an absolute nightmare for him, walking nearly five guys every nine innings. Strikeouts as well, not a big strikeout guy, and hasn't really been since we have seen him in the majors since 2020. So it's not really surprising that those strikeouts aren't there, but the walks have always been an issue for him, and it's being it's a big issue here again. Problem for me here when you're talking about the the Yankees is they seem to be over-reliant on one guy at this point with Giancarlo Stanton, the injuries he's going through. wonder if Ben Intendi starts to contribute a little bit more after his first game with the Yankees. Uh, but just the fact that this lineup has been somewhat inconsistent, and to give the Royals credit, uh, Singer has looked really, really solid as of late and, again, performed very well for them yesterday. So maybe it's a... Um, a slight overreaction on my part to be worried about the offense, but we saw them struggle in that series against the Mets. Saw them scuffle with the Houston Astros. Yes, this is the Royals, uh, but it showed up again yesterday. So just something to watch here for the Yankees, who are a monster favorite today with Garrett Cole on the hill. And give Cole credit. He has been solid this year, uh, but we have seen those every once in a while hiccups in Cole's game from time to time, namely road start against Boston where he gave up five earned runs. That was back on July 7th. Remember he had, and this was a while ago, but on the road against Minnesota, got just brutalized for seven. And even the last time we saw him was a road spot against Baltimore, went six, gave up three earned runs, four runs total, walked two, and struck out six. So we'll see what Garrett Cole brings to the table, but back at home against this Royals lineup, which has less and less as the days go along, maybe a, maybe warranted to be that favorite, but uh, you won't catch me getting involved with that party. And last but not least, uh, one of the market moves that is worth just bringing up very quickly, uh, we mentioned the Subway Series for the Yankees and how poorly they performed. Well, New York Mets are taking on the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is going to take the hill here. He's going to oppose uh, Bassett and the New York Mets. And you can understand the market moving here uh, because Alcantara has been really good for the Miami Marlins, as we know. Uh, but this opened up $1.25 favorite in favor of Bassett on the road. You've seen a $0.10 bump in favor of the Marlins. Plus 115, down to plus 105. Uh, Sandy, absolutely tremendous across the board. And unlike a guy like Verlander, where you're talking about a sub-2 ERA, but some room for some uh, lack of improvement, uh, the opposite of improvement, uh, some regression for Justin Verlander to get to like that 310 fielding independent mark, uh, Sandy's numbers across the board, 261 expected, 278 fielding independent. He is pretty much every single bit of the guy that you expect him to be. And it's not surprising to see the market with Sandy at home as a small underdog support him here. And Bassett on the other side, again, we always talk about both sides of these equations. He has been really solid, uh, but Sandy, of course, the very, very better pitcher. 372 for Bassett, 313 expected, and a 374 fielding independent for Bassett coming into this. Last 60, rewinding back to what we were talking about with the Angels, did make one bet today in Major League Baseball, went with the under 7.5 here between Texas and Anaheim. It's a play against this lineup for Anaheim. The lineup has not been good in any way, shape, or form, especially the back end of this lineup has been an absolute nightmare in terms of getting on base, consistently hitting, and not striking out. The other part of this is Patrick Sandoval, while coming off of a pretty rocky month, and it's still July, so maybe it continues for him, but... If you look at the underlying numbers for Sandoval, uh, he has some better luck coming for him overall. If you look at it from a fielding independent standpoint, 304 fielding independent coming into this matchup with his 364 ERA, coming back at home, and we have on the other side Perez, who's pitched very, very well against a really poor lineup. Would expect that this is a lower scoring game. Played this under 7.5 at minus 105 for the Angels and Rangers tonight. A full way of backing Sandoval. I think he's due for, and even due, the numbers would tell you that, but I think he is going to calm down a little bit here tonight. And instead of trusting that lineup to do so, we'll bet that this is going to be yet another low scoring game for the Angels. With that, we're all done. Make sure you check out vcin.com because you want to be a subscriber. Why? College Football Betting Guide is out and NFL Pro Guide is coming out in a few weeks. 
You want all that information before the football season starts. My Guys of the Desert coming up next. Have a good weekend. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.